So Jeff, if, if you were to ask your wife, what was the hardest thing about being a military spouse? You know, you, you mentioned earlier the whole idea of, you know, putting all the rocks in the rucksack. I, 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 how did frame that up for me again? What did you call it? Putting the parental oh. rocks in the rucksack? Yeah, she just has all the parental rocks in her rucksack. And I'm, I'm, I'm carrying a fanny pack over here. So she's the one carrying all the weight. What, what would she, if she was on here right now, what would she tell us is the hardest thing about, about uh, carrying that, that rucksack? She'd probably say just, uh, just the fact that you're, you're essentially alone. Um, you know, it, in that journey, there's so much uncertainty about when you're leaving and, and for how long. Um, I mean, she got 22 hours notice for one of these deployments that was six months long. Um, you, there's just a lot of uncertainty around that. And so you don't know how long you're going to have to carry anything. So you can't trust that your partner is going to be there or be back in time. You can't really depend on me for anything because there's always a mission that trumps everything else. And, and you never know when I'm going to get that call again, you know, going back to that, that backpack, always being packed in that front closet, you know, just in case you get that call in the middle of the night, which, which did, did come several times. And uh, yeah, I think that's really what she would say is just, just being alone and, uh, and not a partner in this, in this thing. So she was essentially a single parent for several years, especially when you're in, in those types of uh, units. So that, that's, that's not a real common thing for, uh, you know, even militarily, most of the time, most units know a good bit ahead of time, um, even in a wartime situation, when they're going to rotate in and out. Right. Um, being in the special operations community, you didn't have that luxury. Um, but it's not just all special operations community. Even, even a lot of the special ops community has the ability to, uh, to know their schedule, at least mm -hmm. To a degree, what did you do in the special operations community that put you on that path where you always had to keep that that pack ready to go? No, it's a great question. So I I had started off my my uh, my military time as an enlisted guy uh, in the reconnaissance stuff. I I, I enlisted as a scout, um, and then later when I commissioned my initial uh, uh, officer time was as an infantry officer, but I wasn't in that all that long before I transitioned to the intelligence side of the house. And so on the intelligence side, you're just, um, number one, you're in short supply. Um, they can't really ever get enough of you. And then, you know, when you start to kind of get a little bit of a feel for the community and, and you see that um, that you're a good fit, not everybody's a, a, a really good fit with that. And it's no fault of their own. It's just, it's just a very, um, it's a very unique community. And, uh, and so when they find one that, uh, that they like, they don't typically let go of that type of person. And um, I just happen to be that type of guy. And um, and so it, it was just a natural fit. I probably would have been a miserable failure in the conventional army uh, any longer than what I was. I, I just kind of liked the ambiguity of the environment, but it came at a cost and there's just a level of uncertainty. And so, yeah, that's just kind of what you deal with because you're supporting all the guys, you, you know, the, the people that you're talking about that have the predictability in that community, they are um, on the operations side of the house. So I know I'm going to be on and then I know when I'm going to be off on a support side where you're a logistics or an intelligence guy or, a, you know, um, some sort of a, a support mechanism like that, you end up supporting all the guys when they go, no matter where. And, um, and so it, it can just, it can create a, a hamster wheel cycle that you seem to be running in for a long time. So I'm talking to Jeff Chase, uh, carry the load ambassador, former army, uh, special, uh, special forces guys, special forces, dude, 
just retired after 23 years in the army, uh, not even a year out, four kids during that time, 19 years of marriage, uh, countless deployment, uh, 11 deployments, uh, some for a three month window, some for, for much longer, some you had plenty of time to, uh, to know you're, you're leaving some, you had less than 24 hours, uh, to take action. And so the hardest part of all of this from your wife's perspective was doing it alone. What about for you? And I'm not talking about difficulty as it related to, um, you know, what you were doing out there, the, the, the physical, uh, mental or emotional strain in a combat scenario. What about from a home perspective? What, what, what were the difficulties there? Well, I, first, just, just to make sure I don't get on the wrong side of a lot of my, uh, my, my soft colleagues or whatever, I, uh, I was the intel guy. I was definitely not the, the special operations or special forces officer. So I know some of them will be listening for that. But uh, Todd, I think that the most important thing for that and, and where I felt most disconnected was just... Uh, or, or felt most challenged was being disconnected from home. You know, when you you get a chance to make a phone call home and you're uh, you're catching up on, on what's going on there, first of all, that conversation is because there's only so many things you can talk about. And, um, and that's, you know, some of that's me going, you know, just not going into details about what my daily thing is, but largely it's, there's a limited time and there's only so many things I can affect. So therefore there's only so many things that she's gonna wanna tell you about. Uh, because why tell you if you can't be part of her solution? And um, and so that knowing how disconnected you were, I think over each of the trips, I figured out a little bit more just how much I, I wasn't hearing. Um, and, it, and it was just because I, I couldn't help and she knew it. And so over the years, um, fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, she just got better at dealing with it without me. And um, so that's needed to survive. Um, so it's absolutely a survival instinct, but there is, there is a day when you have to figure that out and you have to come home and you have to figure out how to jump back in the mix and be a part of the family again. And I, I think the, the hardest part was, was realizing this is getting bigger and bigger and there's just more and more to unpack and none of it's going away. It's just building on itself, but it's not going to stop until I get out of this section of my career, this assignment or these units or whatnot. And uh, knowing that was hard because you couldn't, you couldn't help her. And um, you try and you try to be connected and you try to build in predictability where you can, but there's only so much you can do with that. And yeah, I mean, as, as guys were, um, you know, especially, you know, guys that, that come out of, um, you know, combat groups, you know, whether you're in direct support of it or, uh, you know, pulling a trigger, you're, you're inclined to want to fix things. Um, you know, oh, there's a problem. Let me fix it. Absolutely. Oh, there's a problem. Let me find a solution. And what I'm hearing you say is that she just kind of, she just realized she got to a point where she said, you know what, there's nothing you can do to fix it. Um, you probably, I'm assuming you came to that conclusion at some point, I, you know, Hey, you're doing a great job. I'm your cheerleader, but there's nothing I can do to fix it. I'm not going to try and fix it, but that's gotta be hard because it's still your family. Well, it, it's exceptionally hard. And you know, you, you've you've made this promise to your teammate that you're going to be there no matter what but then there's this other team that's that's overseas that you also can't let down and you you've sworn this ultimate allegiance to both and you don't want to let either one fail but in that moment you've been called to do something that kind of trumps the family and the family has to take a little bit of a back seat uh, for that moment in time and 
um, yeah, it, it absolutely comes at a cost. And I, that was a, that was probably a, a, one of the bigger low points that I had uh, was when we actually had a conversation. And I think she, I think she actually said, so I can't count on you for anything, can I? And I said, no. And I, that's just one of those conversations where you, you have it and then you just kind of sit in the moment and be like, I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth, but they couldn't have been more true. It's just, it's just what the moment required. And um, I think fast forward to when you're transitioning out, those are the things that you got to unpack because they just don't go away. Um, you have to figure out, I mean, it's a very deliberate process. And one I'm actively going through right now of trying to figure out how to take those things back out of her, you know, off her plate and, and be a functional member of the family and not a spectator. And that's a, that's been very intentional. <laughs> I'm not so I, I would, I would assume that during those times of separation and what you're describing that, that there were probably two prevailing thoughts, one from her and one from you. The one from her, as much as she might have known what she was getting into, resentment had to creep in. And for you, as much as you might have known, okay, I am swearing this allegiance to both, which I want to dive into here in a minute. There was, there, there had to have been just a feeling of guilt and failure I mean, and, you know, the failure because this, you know, I wrote it down because it just, it struck me, this ultimate allegiance to both. It's not possible, you know, and, and uh, you, you've sworn that you would die for both. But yet, but yet you can't do, and that's, that's the struggle. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, and if I, if I were to translate this to the business world and somebody says, you know, they have a dual reporting line. Okay, let, let's let's keep it simple and keep the the bullets and the and the uh, potential of death out of it. They have a dual reporting line. Well, that's that's like saying, you know, mom's telling you to go clean your room, dad's telling you to cut the grass, and they both want it done now. Who do I? I'm in a no-win situation, and it's you in a constant conflict. Yeah. And so you you probably dealt with that day in and day out. And your wife, I'm sure there was a lot of resentment. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm blessed beyond measure to have a uh, patient and resilient family. Um, I married way above my pay grade, Todd. I, I just, I did, but those are, those are Most things. Most of us do, Jeff. Most yeah. of us do. We are, we're having those conversations now and I'm, you know, they're hard. They're, they're very difficult. They're uncomfortable, but I, I can't tell you how thankful I am that we are having those conversations that we're, that we're still around to have those conversations. Um, so, so many of my, you know, peers they're on their second or third marriage um so there is extreme resentment she's she's vocalized that and uh, and it's one of those things where you um you have to just take the time to acknowledge the moment for what it is um you can't gloss over it and the days of glossing over things like like what you would do on a on a uh, 7000 mile phone call you know you can kind of gloss over some things because you know what it you got to pick your battles on what you have on a limited phone call, but there's definitely resentment there. And rightfully so I wasn't there. So, you know, she had to be a single parent for, for longer than she ever could have imagined. Um, and yes, there's tremendous guilt on my part because you, again, when, when you're living in that constant, you know, conflict of, Hey, ultimate allegiance, somebody's going to lose. And you hate the fact that, um, that according to uncle Sam, it's going to be your family. 
and and we thank them for their service and we we tell them how they're you know the, the spouses are the backbone of of everything and we couldn't do it without them and, and whatnot it's really really hard um to look around a room of people that are are saying those things and realize that half of them don't actually know what what all that means to what depth you're talking about and uh you know that that's the challenge of of uh, again in this transition process of, of coming to a community that it, there's no base right here, you know, so there's not a lot of people, precious few that actually know what this life is like. And so you got to kind of unpack it day by day. But um, but I think the biggest thing is transparency. We've we have found that a lot of candor and uh, an ultimate transparency and just keeping those communication lines open is what keeps us here. And uh, it, it's tough, but we're here. Well, and, and I applaud you for it because I, I, I do know it's tough. I've, uh, in fact, I've got a, a buddy uh, who just transitioned out of uh, uh, the Intel side. As a matter of fact, he started off, you know, very similar, mm -hmm. you know, he was enlisted and then he was, uh, he became an officer in, uh, in the, uh, in the Marine Corps and he was uh, infantry uh, and then transitioned, uh, uh, you know, over to the Intel side and that's, you know, that's where he finished up. So and he doesn't live too far from you. So I'm going to have to put you guys together when it's all said and done. Cause I love it. they just transitioned about golly inside the last six months. Just moved. So, um, well, okay. So, so what about, what about from the kid's perspective? I mean, you know, when, when they're not, when they're not able to see dad, for Thanksgiving. And yet, and yet here they are, you know, you talked about your Catholic faith and I'm, I'm assuming you raise your children Catholic as well. And, you know, here they are giving thanks for, uh, um, you know, for who knows what, but yet they don't even have their dad home to, to, to give thanks. I, did have any of them expressed that confusion to you? Oh yeah. So there's, there's a, I think we're seeing those those phases uh, of of kind of processing all of this just play out in real time now. Um, there's there's the initial phase of hey everybody just don't say anything bad around dad because he's finally here so let's not say anything to scare him off again you know and uh, and then the, uh, I'm I'm assuming what's coming is the uh, hey you know what that wasn't cool like how did how did you pick the army over us um, all those times um, and starting to get there with one of them actually one of the four has already started to go there. And, um, and it's actually been a very healthy conversation. Uh, it hasn't been contentious or anything, but she has definitely expressed like, hey, that math is not working out in my head yet. Like how you, how you chose that over us. And um, she it, it, no less committed, understands you know, to, the, to the extent she can of why it was necessary, but um, that conversation is still playing out and I, I welcome it. I mean, I, look, I, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of those things coming my way. I've got a lot of personal things to unpack over that many years, whatnot. I, that again, at the end of the day, you got to keep talking. You got to just keep vocalizing it and, and, um, and acknowledging those moments. Hey, this, that moment sucked. It, there's no way to dice it. There wasn't any, there's no lipstick you can put on that pig, that thing. It just sucked. And, um, and we just have to acknowledge it. Okay. So now what are we going to do about it? And, and then you have to figure out a way forward. But you know what? You know, I've, I've been drilling down on that part, Jeff. But if you, you know, I, I kind of go back to the Travis Mannion um, 
attitude. If not me, then who? And yeah, it's it's difficult. I I know it is. I mean, you know, I was never I was never married while deployed. I was never in the situation that you were in. But you know, God, I I feel like I know it upside down and backwards. Um, you know, I'm asking a lot of really you know pointed questions. But at the end of the day, it's got to be done. And you know, and I and I think as resentful as families can be getting them to understand, you know, Hey, we all have our chosen lots in life and some, some of it's fair and some of it's not, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's really, you know, when, when someone says to me, thank you for your service. When someone says to me, man, that's, that's gotta be a tough life. You know what? Why don't you go ask somebody about that? Yeah. Because agree. It, it might actually motivate you to do a little bit more then say thank you. And there's, and there's nothing that's not intended to, to be a, a, a dig at anyone, but you know, it's kind of like, you know, I asked a friend of mine, you know, what do you say to somebody when, when they say, God, I wish I would have done this or that. Yeah. And he always says, it's, it's this simple, these words, there's still time, you know? So, you know, I didn't necessarily mean to get on that soapbox, but I, I you know, yeah, I, I can see where the, you know, they're, be some some challenges but you know what i applaud you i applaud your family y'all did things for this country as a family that some people i mean just you don't understand the sacrifice until it's way behind you and it mm-hmm. sounds like that's where where the kids are, are getting to they are you know and look i they haven't been uh, shy about telling me how many birthdays every one of them can tell you a running count of how many birthdays were missed and and these various holidays and they have a they have a better memory of a lot of these things um, you know, God bless my wife. She, uh, she was really, really great, is great about making lemonade out of some serious lemon situations. And, um, and so she found ways to, to include, we got pictures of a, of a, a doll dressed up in my clothes with a balloon head and whatnot and a drink in his hand that she made or whatever, because they were all having a big family celebration and they were missing me. And so they made a doll and that was the gym. So, they would come over occasionally in the night and, you know, and, and toast with Jeff, you know, to whatever they were doing and it just finding any way they could to, to um, you know, to try to include you and, and try to just honor what it was that, that you were missing. Um, and they knew why, uh, I mean, she comes from a long line of service herself. Her dad had 30 something years of, of service in the air force. So in many ways she had a longer active duty tour than I did. Cause I, her dad was still on active duty when we got married. And so uh, my retirement was actually the first day of her life that she was not, um, you know, actually uh, connected to the active service. And um, wow. Yeah. So un- unbelievable um, contributions there as a. Wow. I, yeah. It, Jeff, that's crazy. Hold on. I got to I got to dig into yeah, that for a minute because yeah, it, was, it hit me, too. <laughs> so you're saying she was born. Her dad was on active duty. He was on active duty until the day that you guys got married. You were on active duty at that point. And so, you know, she's, you know, certainly in her forties at this point, not that I want to dime your wife's age out or anything. So she's had a longer, (laughs) easy, easy. So, So she's had a longer active duty stint than both you and her father. 
that is that is amazing and that's one i'm telling you that's one of those things that people just don't understand you know if you think it again we used to say if you think it's hard being a marine try being a marine's wife there you go and and it, and the same holds true for you know for you especially with your wife that is oh my gosh yeah so it, it's it's funny um knowing these little bits and pieces you know about us uh, we she and I used to have a, a little running phrase that we would say often, and it was just kind of our own little insider, our, our little insider code, but we would go to various duty stations or, or assignments or whatnot. We had a kind of a running phrase and we would come back and shortly after arriving, it would be like, hey, these, these are our peeps or these are not our people. Um, and you could quickly tell like, hey, are these, are we surrounded anywhere close? Like, is there anyone around that actually gets us and understands what a day in our life is like? And, um, and so that was kind of our little code for, hey, are we in a place where we're going to have to just kind of do this on our own? Because most everybody around, well-intentioned, but they're going to be oblivious to what an actual day in our life looks like. Um, or or do, we have, do we have a network of people around here who have actually been there and, and done that? And they, they know. Um, that was one of the beautiful things about being there in North Carolina. Our neighborhood was absolutely a godsend because uh, the neighbors all got it because they were from the same same uh, organizations and, and communities and had grown up with that. And the kids all understood. It didn't make it any easier uh, for the, you know, the actual sacrifice of, you know, hey, dad's gone this time. But everybody looked out after everybody because you always knew who was on what rotation. And, and um, if somebody got a call in the middle of the night, it's like the rest of the guys picked up the slack because chances are you didn't all get the same call, you know. So, uh, yeah, you just, you just worked it. But there were definitely times where we were around our people and times where we were not. So from your time in service, whether at home or abroad, is there anything in particular, any, any specific instance that, that, that really stands out to you to this day that you continue to find yourself dwelling on or reflecting back to um, that you know, just good, bad, right, wrong. It just, it sticks with you and, and you, you still draw memories from that experience. Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably still unpacking a lot of those, uh, those various instances. I mean, I, my, my big thing is I, I've got a, uh, I got a whole string of near misses. <laughs> so, you know, you get back and, and you finally finish that retirement ceremony and then you wonder like, Hey, did, how did I make it here? Because you, you start reflecting back on the, on the, um, I guess the slide reel of, of all those times where it was this close to getting you uh, for whatever reason. And, um, and so those are things that I think I'm, I'm still unpacking. I'm, you know, fortunately what I'm, what I'm dealing with these days and what I'm taking with me and what I'm really dwelling on is actually a lot more of the, uh, the positive experiences and what that means for my future. You know, you kind of get that, the lessons learned, I guess, is, you know, the, the AAR, the after action report, you kind of start doing those things and figuring out, hey, what did I take away from this experience? And um, I tell you, I was really blessed to be around some of the most amazing non-commissioned officers that, uh, that a guy could ever wish for in any career. And, um, and actually, I was thinking about one of these one the other day, and it, it, it kind of hit me because of the holidays. And, you know, a lot of people have tough times during the holidays and whatnot. Um, there was a sergeant major that, uh, that I was serving with forward um, out there in, in the Middle East and uh, on one of these particular tours. And um, man, she had a resume a mile long. She was just one of the most 
um, uber competent leaders I had ever been around and just, just soft leader, you know, ne never pushing, never, never demanding, but, uh, but man, you, you just wanted to be your best, you know, when you were around her and, and any organization she had a, a, a role in. And I was, I, I had some, some leadership position, but she saw that I was um, trying to juggle all the balls, all the balls. And there was just, just too many. And I, I'll never forget it. She, uh, she came up and she kind of, you know, hey, what's going on, sir? How's how's uh, how's everything going? And I think she saw that I was spinning my wheels. I knew she saw it, and um, couldn't hide that from her. And uh, she said, you know, you can't juggle all the balls. Nobody can. And uh, and I I almost looked at her with a little bit of, you know, disdain. Like, how in the world can you tell me that I'm not going to juggle all these balls? By God, I'm going to figure it out, and I'll show you, type of thing. And uh, and she's like, nobody figures out how to juggle all the balls. The art. Um, and the true lesson and the true skill is to identify the rubber balls from the glass balls. And she's like, cause the glass ones, they'll break and you need to do something about them right now, whatever it takes. The rubber ones, they'll still be bouncing tomorrow. And I tell you, I cannot tell you how much that has stuck with me over the years. Um, because it, it really speaks to, you know, whether it's transition stresses, uh, whether it's, you know, stresses of, of a deployment, um, whether it's family stuff, I can't tell you how many, you know, junior officers or, or junior NCOs that I've talked to, you know, over the past, you know, a couple of years that I have passed that along to. I'm like, man, I just think one of the ultimate skills you can get, you know, spend a lot of working on trying to perfect is picking your battles. And, uh, and that really speaks to that is just how, uh, how important it is to always be looking and identify the rubber balls from the glass balls, because she couldn't be more right. You can't do a thing about all of them but you can do something about the glass ones. So did you have trouble discerning the glass balls from the rubber balls right away? Your, your trouble is when you convince yourself, I mean, it's a self-inflicted filter. Um, you, your problem is you've convinced yourself that you somehow, if you just try harder and as guys, it's always brute force is our go-to, you know, reaction um, that you can figure out how to juggle them all. And, in reality, there's not that many hours in the day. So it teaches you prioritization. And uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those lessons that when you, when you hear it, it's profound. And when you go back to your bunk that night, when you finally get off shift at three or so in the morning and you're, you're sitting there, you're like, man, that was, that was more profound than I thought it was. And uh, it sticks with you. So obviously one of the, one of the big things that we have to do whether it be militarily, you know, leadership role, family. Sometimes you got more glass balls to, to juggle or, you know, glass plates keep spinning, you know, whatever, you yep. know, metaphor you want to use. Then what? You know, did, did you ask her how you do that? <laughs> I could only handle one profound nugget in, uh, for that night. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had follow-on conversations about that, but uh, – yeah, it, it's just something that's definitely stuck with me over the years and, and been, it's come in handy. And so my assumption would be that you've, uh, you know, you've, you've been able to use that with the kids and pass that on to them and, and, you know, hey, here's a great lesson I learned from someone I least expected to learn it from because, you know, you're, you were the officer, you know, I mean, granted, she's a sergeant, but you're the officer, she's enlisted, you're supposed to know all that stuff, but yet, oh, well, you know, I ditched that mentality long, long ago. You know, it's just, it, I cannot tell you, I can't overstate the professionalism of the NCOs that we had working with us in that community. I really can't. And uh, 
it, you know, coming from the enlisted side, there was more than one occasion when I, I thought about going back to the back to the NCO ranks, uh, just because I had such an unbelievable respect for them. And there, there's a there's a thousand of those lessons that I was given along the way that I was just privileged to to kind of be around somebody who just looked over and was like, hey, man, looks like you're struggling. So uh, what's up? You know, and, and they just care enough to, to give you a tip that, you know, somebody passed on to them and uh, they're hard fought hard fought tips. They came from a real honest place, but they, uh, they work. So I, I, I do love that. I mean, you gotta, you have to be able to decipher the rubber balls from the glass balls. Um, but I'll tell you another, you know, takeaway, you know, for me from that story is that, you know, the humility with which you approached it, I think is extremely important because, you know, like I said, I mean, it's really easy to look at it and go, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm the officer here. You're the, you know, you're enlisted, you know, I, I think, you know, what I take away from it is you're, you're never too accomplished. You're never too high on the, you know, the scale, if you will, the totem pole to learn something from someone else. And, you know, that to me is, you know, one of the things that I learned through, you know, I, at some point, somebody taught me the importance of going, and, you know, as an officer, as a, as a lieutenant of going in. And when that, you know, young Lance Corporal is on their, on their saw gun, you know, and for, for people who aren't familiar with that, who are watching this, it's a, you know, it's a light machine, but it's the backbone of the Marine Corps fire team and squad. And, those guys slept with that weapon. They knew that weapon inside and out better than anybody else. And one of the lessons that I was taught is go lay down in the mud next to that Lance Corporal who's watching his, his field of uh, fire and ask him questions about how best to employ his weapon. Because you know what? He's going to know better than you will. A hundred percent. That's all he does. He's got one, one purpose at that moment of life. And, uh, and yes, you know, I was, I was asked a question once, uh, I don't know, a job interview, um, as I was, you know, going to, uh, to other units and, uh, and they said, what happens if, uh, how would you approach the situation if, uh, somebody who, um, was a lower rank, um, had the best idea? I was like, well, you take the idea. And they're like, well, why would you do that? Cause I mean, you're supposed to come out of that. You're, you're the officer. And I was like, that's not how I keep my pulse. I'm like, if you're in a situation when you, um, where lives matter, um, you go with the best idea. I don't care who it came from. And I, I, I was, again, very fortunate to, to cross over to and that. And then you praise them for, for, for coming up with that idea. It, it's not true teamwork if one person thinks he's always running this stuff. I mean, it's, that's, that's not a team. That's, that's a forced march. And that's not what, what you're really about. You, you have to rely on everybody's strengths. And I, I was very fortunate that uh, my first experience in the special operations side of the house was uh, early on. And I'll tell you, that was a hard, violent experience uh, being jumped into that gang in that side of the house. But, uh, but it's where I learned all those things. And it's, it's really uh, where I started that education and that the soft side of the house, they raised me. So, so in, in the, in the Intel community, what, uh, you know, give somebody a, um, a little insight into what you did every day, especially when you're deployed. So, I mean, as, as an Intel guy, you're, you're just supposed to know, um, your, your main focus is the enemy threat. You know, what, what is the enemy doing? What's he going to do? 
Um, and so on this side of the house, you're, you're often um, assigned to a project or a, a team or something where you're, you're a dedicated support uh, mechanism for whoever that happens to be. It may be a team that's been given a certain mission and we need a dedicated guy. We don't need to get in line for, for any Intel updates. We need our own dedicated person that that's their only purpose in life is to focus on this one threat for this period of time until we finish this job. And, um, and so that's often how it was. You would, you would be on a, a subject area or a team or a, uh, a project and you would be supporting that. Um, other times you could be on, on a basically like an on-call rotational thing where again, getting those calls in the middle of the night, hey, somewhere in the world, something bad's happening. We're sending somebody in there to, to do something about it. And, um, and you, you've got to go in and there's, there's people that stay back and support and, and let everybody know kind of how those threats are unfolding. And then there's people that go forward with them and, uh, and do that with them on the ground. So it, it really is one of those unique positions where you can do anything on any given day. I had a friend that, uh, that was, got on a plane with a, uh, with a, a bunch of soft operators and, and thought he was going to be just supporting them right up to the moment until one guy walked up to him and started putting on a harness. And he's like, well, what are you doing? He's like, well, you're going with us. He's like, well, what are you talking about? And, uh, and that guy found himself on a halo jump that night, getting jumped into the middle of the ocean um, because it's like, hey, I, I need you with us and I can't wait for a response. So you're coming with us. And uh, so every day is a new day. Every day's day. Well, so what are you doing now? You've retired. Oh, I got a great job with a, uh, you know, um, a security consulting firm. I, honestly, I joined, I joined kind of my old tribe here. So I've, I've got a good friend from back in the day that I used to work with and, and, uh, and we're friends from way back and, and we just got together to have coffee. Um, honestly, actually, it was actually uh, during the uh, internship there I had with Carry the Load. And uh, it was just trying to do some networking and set down some roots here. And I, uh, I noticed that he had, um, he had moved to this area with his, uh, with his job. And so I just tried to touch base with him and catch up with an old friend. And we met for coffee. And halfway through the, uh, the catch-up session there, he, uh, he said, you know what? I think, uh, I think you might need to join our team. And they happened to be building uh, and scaling some capabilities. And I had some experience scaling new things that... Uh, that were kind of, you know, on the, um, hadn't been done before. So uh, he's like, I think, I think that's what we need. So uh, one thing led to another and I ended up joining their team. So the security industry is fun. It's, it's close to my heart. Uh, obviously I've done a, a decent amount sure. of that piece, but, uh, but more importantly, I got to join a really good culture. It's such a, a veteran centric team. Um, a huge percentage of their workforce is veterans and they, they pride themselves on being a, a second home uh, for, for, veterans that that want to um want to be around the same people because we always miss the right you know you, oh absolutely you can, you can hand off the mission to somebody else but you you really miss the people and uh and so we found a found a place where we can be around the people and uh, and preserve that culture and all the things that we hold dear with that culture but uh but yeah it's in the uh, the private security industry so what uh what are you thinking about the civilian life now that you've transitioned and you know, you guys are living in McKinney, which is a great town, but not everybody understands the type of lifestyle that you guys just, um, y'all are used to just sliding into a new base and, you know, everybody's sliding in and out. So it's not that big a deal. Are you having, I mean, are you having fun? Are you meeting people out there? We are. We're, it, you know, 
I, I tell you, the biggest thing we're doing is pacing ourselves. Um, we're just we're not on any any timeline. We're just uh, we're just trying to set some roots down. We we uh, we made plans for this a long time ago, but but now it's here, and so there's there's a difference in talking about it and actually doing it. So um, the the community could not have been better. They've been super open arms for for all of us. Uh, we had lots of friends. Carrie Lowe was a huge a huge uh, enabler of that. Debbie could not have been better about opening up the Rolodex to just introduce me to this community, and reintroduce me rather. Um, you know, having grown up 60 miles north of here, but um, it, it's just been great to get back home. Uh, I'm struck by how much it's it's changed. You know, in those 20 something years that I was gone. Um, but no, it's been great. I, I think the big thing is we get a place for everybody. I don't know what the future holds and what this next phase of our life is going to look like. And, um, you know, my wife has had such a, a uh, start and stop career path because of, you know, moving around with our assignments and, and those experiences just, they have to, um, sometimes they can look a little sporadic on a resume. So, you know, we're really looking forward to, to her being able to, to take off running with her career. Finally, she's doing an MBA program right now. And, uh, and, you know, that's, that's a long time coming. So, we're really just taking a moment to enjoy it for all the things that it is and all the opportunities that we have now, now that we're not having to worry about that next duty assignment. Well, you tell your wife, if she needs some kind of work, all the stuff that she was doing, I'm a phone call away. I will find something for her in a heartbeat. She's earned it. I appreciate that talk. Well, you know, one of the things about uh, carry the load, as you well know, is that, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we keep the uh, the message alive of so many people that uh, unfortunately don't have the ability to deal with the problems that, uh, you know, that you've talked about today. And and I'm sure at the end of the day, we, we know they wish they could. So um, would you share with us uh, one of those people that, that you're carrying with you? You know, I was thinking about, um, actually, I was thinking about four of them today, uh, in particular for various reasons. But um, the the first the first loss I ever had of a, of a military colleague, uh, one of my 10th group uh, teammates was uh, Kelly Hornbeck. And, um, and he was the uh, team sergeant for, uh, for an SF ODA. They're an operational detachment alpha. And, uh, and you know, fast forward that, it, it just unfortunately got to be more and more common, uh, the guys that you, you lost. But, you know, people like Will Rudd, uh, people like Josh Wheeler, um, Eric Imond, these are people that, uh, that I think about often uh, for various reasons. And, and again, back kind of how things went and why they went the way they did. But those are guys I think about all the time. Well, that's awesome. And Jeff, thank you for, for sharing that with us. Thank you for sharing your, your, your story. Thank you for, for sharing the, the hardships that, uh, that you and your wife are dealing with. And, and you know, that, um, you know, sharing your scars like that is no easy is no easy feat, but it's it's important for so many others to be able to learn from it. So, uh, I look forward to seeing you again down the road, and you know, hopefully not at a at a controlled dinner where we can just kind of sit back and tip one back and and just kind of get to know one another better. So, I hear you know, you. Jeff Chase, you know, thank you for for all you've done for this country. Thank you for all your family has done for this country, and please give them my best. So, for everybody else out there, thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks with uh, with John Hill, who has a, a very, very interesting story. And Jeff, I think you remember meeting John the same night that uh, that I did. I do. Um, his story is actually a uh, it's interesting because a movie was made out of the uh, uh, the story that, that he's going to share with us. So 
For all of you, uh, thanks for joining us. And as a reminder, always, always, always have a very good answer to this question. Who are you carrying?